Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll conclude our study of the book of James by looking at James chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. If you have a Bible with you, follow along while I read. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. As James brings this letter to a close, in which he has encouraged Christians to endure or persevere through hardship and let that be a training ground for developing faith and becoming who God wants you to be, he closes it by reminding them to stay connected to God. Make sure you keep talking to the one that gives you that power, that gives you that ability to be transformed. He's the one that will actually bring you through the trial that you're suffering. He mentions here three groups of people who should talk to God. First, he says, is anyone among you suffering? The King James Version translates that word afflicted. The NIV translates it troubled. Are any of you guys having a hard time? If you are, you should spend time talking to God. You should pray. And notice it says, let him pray, the one who is suffering. That doesn't mean that we cannot include other people in certain circumstances and situations to help encourage us as they pray with us. But it does mean we have that capacity to go before the throne of God and talk to God ourselves. We have Jesus as a mediator, as someone who will go before God on our behalf. But we can have those conversations. Sometimes in the middle of our struggle, we don't think we're able to pray. We don't know what to pray. We don't know if we're worthy to pray. But James lets us know that we can pray for ourselves when we're suffering. James also mentions happy people. They should talk to God. They should actually talk to God in song. He uses the Greek word salo here, which is the word from which we get psalm. It's only used four times in the New Testament. One of them's here. But we can see by the way it's used in other places that this is an expression of joy and praise of God. Romans 15, 9 says, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. 
1 Corinthians 14, verse 15 says, I will sing with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. And Ephesians 5, 19 says, Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts. When things are going well, when we're cheerful, we should still be talking to God, but we shouldn't be surprised if that comes out with a melody. James also encourages sick people to talk to God. He says, if any among you are sick, let him call in the elders and have them pray for him and anoint him. I think it's important to note here that the one who needs prayer has the responsibility of calling in people to help him, to pray with him. I think sometimes in our day, we use this as a test of whether or not someone likes us or notices us. So we will wait and see if someone is willing to come to us and offer prayer. But James says, when you need help praying, call someone in, especially here, the elders, people who are spiritual leaders in your faith community. But I think we need to make another observation here. When we hear James ask, is any among you sick? There's no need to consider that as only referring to physical illness. He actually uses two different Greek words in verses 14 and 15. In verse 14, the word that's translated sick in my translation is a word that means to be weak. Is there any among you who are weak? Now, in the New Testament, especially in the Gospels, that word is used to describe people who have physical illness. But it's used in other places in the New Testament to describe a weak faith or a weak conscience. An example would be Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Paul writes, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. And the same apostle in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. In both cases, Paul is talking about people who are weak or sick in their faith that need help. And James could very well be talking about spiritually sick people. I want to be clear. I think prayer is effective for both. But given the context here and James trying to encourage people to stand strong in the face of persecution, he may be talking about people whose faith is weak and need help to stand against the persecution. Because right after that, in verse 15, he says, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. The Greek word there means to be weary rather than weak. Scripture talks about a weariness that comes over us when we're trying to do the right thing all the time, but it doesn't seem to be getting us where we want to go. An example is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. These weak and weary people, the ones that are referred to as sick here, are the ones that are having difficulty standing up against their trials. And when we understand that that is a possibility, it may make some of the other things that James says in this section make a little more sense to us, like the effect that sin is having on the sickness. If James is aware of people who have turned their back on faith, or their faith is weak because of the sin that they're in, and this notion of confessing and praying and getting better, 
makes a little more sense to us. But let me again stress that I think that prayer has an effect on those who are sick, whether it is physically or spiritually. In addition to praying for those who are sick, James says these elders should anoint them with oil, rub oil onto them. This doesn't seem to be the same ceremonial anointing that would be done at a coronation of a king or even in a church service maybe where someone is being anointed and consecrated to be a part of a particular work. In the ancient world, olive oil was considered to have medicinal properties. So if James is only talking about those who are physically ill, we may rightly see this as an instruction to provide any available remedies as we pray. But James says, make sure you pray because prayer is powerful. And James says there's something particularly effective about a righteous person praying. This may be where we get the need sometime to ask others to pray for us because we don't feel righteous. But remember that God says in Habakkuk 2 verse 4 that the righteous are those that live by faith. And that same verse is quoted in the New Testament by Paul two times, one in Romans and one in Galatians. Those who have put their trust in the effectiveness of prayer, that rely on God for the remedy for whatever's going on in their lives, those are the ones that have the most effective prayers. So what does it mean for a prayer to be effective? How do we go about praying an effective prayer? It certainly does not mean that we're required to assume a particular body posture. There are actually many found in Scripture, laying down, standing up with heads raised and arms raised to heaven, people kneeling. There are all manner of postures described. Interestingly, one that is not found anywhere in Scripture is sitting in a church pew with every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but to expect everyone to do that and feel that as they're talking to God maybe a little confining. An effective prayer is not dependent on your body posture. It's certainly not dependent on a solemn look. Sometimes we may be praying out of desperation. Sometimes we may be praying out of grief. But others, we may be praying and exclaiming out of pure joy, our love for God. It doesn't mean that we have to change our vocabulary. I've heard some people pray, and when they start praying, they lose their common dialect, the way they talk every day, and they change the vocabulary, and all of a sudden, they sound as if they're Old English, and they're praying the words of the King James Bible, maybe. But that is not required to have an effective prayer. Again, I'm not saying if that's your prayer language and you feel a connection to God through that, that's fine. But there are some who make it mandatory for others to imitate them. Effective prayer is not dependent on that kind of vocabulary. It's not dependent upon pious tones. We don't have to change the tone of our voice. And we certainly don't have to repeat worn out prayer cliches. None of those things are what keep a prayer from being effective. What James lets us know is that if prayer's not working, it may have something to do with a lack of faith. It's a prayer in faith that's effective. It may be the wickedness or the sin of the people that are involved or the wickedness of the prayer itself. 
He's already warned us against praying with the wrong motives. When we're substituting prayer for obedience, that may get in the way of us seeing the result that we expect to see from God. Certainly selfishness can get in the way and keep our prayer from being effective. When we're wanting what we want and aren't concerned about the same things God wants, we may not see the answer to the prayer we want. And certainly if our attitudes towards others are improper, if we expect God to give us some advantage over others, or if in our prayers we're not concerned with the best interest of others, God may not answer the prayer the way we've asked him to. But when we've approached God on his terms, we're praying according to his will. We can expect some things from him, and James points them out. One is that we can expect healing. Whether that's physical or spiritual, God brings healing. He makes us well. We can expect restoration, God fixing back things that are broken. That's the whole mission of Jesus was to come to restore our relationship with God to what it was before sin got in the way. We can certainly expect forgiveness. James says that when we confess our sins, we can expect to be forgiven. And we can expect to have a joy that we can't help but share with others. So whatever your struggle, whatever your need, talk to God about it, and He will see you through. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.